Well, good morning, church. It is good to see you today. It's good to be back at uh, Monmouth. I'm David Upchurch. I'm the director of church ministries at Lincoln Christian University. And it's been a few years since I've been here. And it's good to be here today. To be honest, it's good to be anywhere today. I, uh, I normally get to preach almost every weekend someplace, but I have not preached in person since March 15th. So you need to get comfortable. I've got three months worth of sermons bubbling up inside of me, and I know we have a second service. You ought to pray for them because they may not get out until five o'clock uh, this afternoon. Uh, I, this COVID-19 thing has been kind of tough. I'm an extrovert, I love being around people, and I have been confined to a makeshift office in my house for three months. And after the first week, I found myself, the highlight of the week was standing at the window and waving at the garbage man, you know, just to have a little human interaction. And it is so good uh, to be with you in person today. And when Jordan asked if someone from LCU could speak here this morning, I jumped at the opportunity. He told me it was a free weekend, so I, I could preach on whatever I, I chose. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 18, and we're going to look at a parable that Jesus told about two men who went to the temple to pray. But as we see the story progress, that's about the only thing that these two men had in common. They were both going to the temple. So let's take a look at the story. Luke chapter 18, beginning with verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Let's hit the pause button right there. I think we need to read that first verse again. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. I tell you that this man, rather than the one that then the other went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The first man in the story was a Pharisee. He was a, a religious leader, and he went to the temple to pray. At least that's what he claimed to do. But when you look at his prayer, it seems like he almost prayed to himself, about himself, and he was obviously very proud of himself. He said, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. Translation, I'm better than other people. That was his heart. That was his attitude. I, I, I'm not like those cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not, not like that tax collector. He seemed to be there to put on a show. My, my guess is that he would stand up, and, and before he raised his hands to pray, he might have even clapped his hands to get everyone's attention, to let them know, it is time to look at me. It is time to listen to me. And then he began to tell God how good he was. And you kind of get the idea that he was letting God know that God was pretty fortunate to have a guy like him on his team. And not only did he pat himself on the back, he, he managed to throw in a little gossip in his prayer, pointed out the other sinners in the room. 
I, I read this parable and I think, man, I'm so thankful that gossip no longer exists in the church. Can I get an amen? <laughs> oh, wouldn't it be great if that was true? I was at a church several years ago, and, and uh, sometimes I'll preach at a, a church on Sunday that has 20 people, and sometimes I'll preach at a church next week that has 1,800 people. And, and, and there, are, there are things I love about all of them. But this church of 20 uh, that I was at one week, they still had the, the audible prayer and share time where you could raise your hand and you could stand up and, and say what you were thankful for and, and, and ask for a prayer request. Now, I've got to be honest with you. Those kind of make me uncomfortable because there are some people who are very comfortable sharing things that make other people uncomfortable. And as we went on, everything was going pretty good until the lady playing the piano raised her hand, and I'm going to make up a name here, but she said, we need to pray for Betty Smith because she's recovering from surgery. Now, if she would have stopped right there, it would have been okay. But she kept going. And she said, it's been a rough year for Betty, you know, because earlier the springs when she found out her husband was having an affair, and then he left her, and then he married the other woman, and so we need to pray for Betty. And I'm thinking, did that just happen? Did the town gossip come into the prayer time? And really, that, that's what this Pharisee did. I, I could picture him praying with his hands lifted high until he got to the sinner, the cheater, the adulterer, the tax collector, and started pointing his finger at people. The people in the temple were probably impressed with his prayer, but you get the idea from Jesus that God wasn't impressed. The, the second man in the story was a tax collector, and he came to the temple to pray, and I've got to give him a lot of credit because it would have been easier for him to stay at home. He had to have known that he would not be looked on with favor at the temple. But for whatever reason, he felt like he needed to come to the temple and pray. And his prayer wasn't long, it wasn't eloquent, but it came from the heart as he spoke directly to God and he said, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. He took off the mask and he asked God for what he needed most and that was mercy. He admitted his sin and went to God and asked for mercy. And Jesus said that only one man went away justified that day, and it wasn't the Pharisee. You know, so often in the church today, we, we put on a mask, and I'm not talking about the COVID-19 mask. We have to put those on today, but we put on this mask when we come to a place like this because we don't want other people to know who we really are. We don't know, want other people to know how weak we are, how, the things that we struggle with. We, we don't want people to know that that we really are sinners. And so we put this mask on and we get so accustomed to wearing the mask at church that we sometimes forget to take it off when we're alone with God. And it's like we think we can fool God like we fool, fool other people. I wonder if we might be a little bit more like the Pharisee than we would like to admit. I, uh, I'm on Facebook and uh, the more I'm on Facebook, I think, man, one of the best things to hit our world in the last 20 years has been Facebook. And then there are other times I think, you know, one of the worst things to hit our world in the last 20 years is Facebook. It, it goes both ways. I'm, I'm on Facebook basically to show off pictures of my grandkids and to uh, wish people happy birthday. But I read posts from people who I know 
are in church basically every week, and they claim to know and love and follow Jesus, and I see them on a regular basis rip into people, rip into politicians they don't agree with, athletes they don't like, actors that they don't like, basically anyone who doesn't think and feel and believe and vote the way they do. They come across as very harsh and cold-hearted and judgmental and unloving. And I, I think, you know, the world is watching. The world is reading. And, and I can't help but think, the world is thinking, if that's what it looks like to be a Christian, I'm not sure I'm interested. And to be honest, sometimes when I read those posts, I think, you know what I ought to do? I ought to get on here. I ought to confront that person. I ought to put them in their place. I ought to treat them the way they're treating everybody else. And before my fingers can start typing, I realize... Oh, I need to pray a prayer. And it needs to go something like this. Oh, God, have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. You see, we don't need to be pointing our fingers at everybody else. We need to point our fingers at ourselves. In Matthew 7, Jesus put it this way, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? So let me suggest that this tax collector's prayer in Luke 18 should be a prayer that we all incorporate into our, our prayer time on a regular basis. And it's not to beat ourselves up. It's not to, to put ourselves down. It's to remind us we can take the mask off. And we have a God who's a loving God, a gracious God, a merciful God who is willing to forgive us when we take the mask off and ask for mercy when we take the mask off and ask for forgiveness. And it helps us to look at others through the eyes of our merciful God. I, I believe this is a great story. But what does it mean for us? Well, let, let me suggest a, a few lessons that we can apply to our lives today. The first lesson is we need to stop looking down at other people. We need to stop looking down at other people. Now, hear me, that, that doesn't mean that everything people do is okay. It doesn't mean that sin is okay. It doesn't mean that we have to uh, agree or approve of every behavior. There are certain behaviors that we should never approve of and agree with. But all too often, we get filled up with some pride. We get a little too full of ourselves. And again, we become a little bit more like this Pharisee than we would like to admit. And the Pharisee looked at the tax collector and said, I'm thankful I'm not like that man. That's the way the Pharisee viewed him. It makes me think of a time when Jesus came across a tax collector and he looked at him and he said, come follow me. And Matthew got up from his tax collecting booth and he followed Jesus, became one of the dis disciples who turned the world upside down for the cause of Christ. That's the way we need to look at people. Throughout the four Gospels, Jesus constantly came in contact with people who were the lowest of the low, and instead of looking down on them, he took time for them, he touched them, he loved them, and so many of them left their lives of sin and followed Jesus. And the thing that amazes me about Jesus is he, he, didn't, he didn't beat the sin out of people. He didn't uh, guilt the sin of people. He didn't shame the sin out of people. He had this way of loving the sin out of people. And I think sometimes today, we take the shortcut because it's hard to love people, isn't it? It's hard to love people like a tax collector or a woman at a well or a woman caught in adultery. 
But when we see Jesus love those people and their lives change, we need to make sure that we're not settling for that shortcut because sometimes we do try to beat the sin out of people or guilt the sin out of people or shame the sin out of people, and it doesn't work. We need to stop looking down at other people. Several years ago, there was a young lady in the entertainment world that seemed to be in the spotlight all the time. I mean, she was in the news making headlines for all the wrong reasons, and, and I, I remember thinking, man, this girl's a train wreck. She's a mess. And a little time went by, and I thought, you know, shouldn't my first response in seeing this young lady and what she was doing, instead of saying, there's a girl that's a mess, shouldn't I have looked at that young lady and said, there's a girl that Jesus died for. There's a girl who needs to know how much Jesus loves her. I should have prayed for her instead of looking down at her. My friends, let's empty ourselves of the pride that somehow convinces us that we are better than other people, and let's stop looking down at people. Here's what I believe. I believe that the church would be a lot more attractive to those who don't know Jesus if we would remind ourselves on a regular basis that we, all of us here today, we are all sinners just saved by grace. And we need to stop looking down at other people. The second lesson is we need to start looking around. We need to start looking around. The Pharisee was only concerned about himself, and his prayer, if you can call it a prayer, focused on himself. We need to find other people. We need to look around and see other people, and we need to pray for them. And one of the steps in walking away from pride and becoming more humble is to think of ourselves less and to think of other people more. And I would suggest that our prayer life is a good place to begin. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I find myself, if I'm not careful, I, I can be praying in autopilot. You know what I mean? You start praying and you find, hey, I'm praying the same prayer I, I tend to pray all the time. You know, God help me, God lead me, God give me, God bless me. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with praying for yourself. Please hear me say that. But we ought, to need, we ought to be praying for other people as well. Every morning, I used to set my alarm for this, but it just got to where it was, it was a um, easy, so I, I don't set my alarm anymore. But every morning at 6 o'clock, I pray for our grandkids. Now, I think this is probably a good place for me to hit the pause button and show you pictures of my grandkids. Because I know, I know that you wouldn't want to leave here today without seeing pictures of my grandkids. Just like I know that whenever I fly, the person sitting by me wants to see every picture of my grandkids that I have on my phone. Th these are, are, are the first five. This was taken last summer. But 13 days ago, this next one came into the world. There's little girls over in Indianapolis. And I love these, these grandkids. I've got six grandkids. I pray for them every day. And I try to, to, to pray for something specific. Their day at, at daycare, their day at preschool, their day at, at second grade, uh, maybe a, a behavior that they are, are uh, exhibiting, something like that. But I always pray. And God, I pray that they would grow up to know you and love you and follow you. Who do you pray for? We need, we need to make a list. Other than ourselves, we need to make a list of people we pray for, people who don't know Jesus. We need to pray for them. I've been in the church all my life, and I've learned that there are phrases we tend to use in the church that we don't always mean. And one of those phrases is, I'll be praying for you. 
Have you ever been in one of those uncomfortable situations where someone tells you about a problem they're having and you don't know what to say? So you say, I'll I'll be praying for you. And there's nothing wrong with saying that, but sometimes we forget to do it, don't we? And it should never just be a response. It should be something that we do. And here's what I would suggest. If you're ever in that position, instead of just saying, I'll be praying for you, why don't you say, hey, I really don't know what to say, but can I pray for you right now? It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be loud, especially if you're in public, but just pray right then. And I learned a long time ago that you can pray for someone on the phone. If you're talking to someone and they tell you about something they're going through, just say, hey, before I hang up, can, can I pray for you? And what I've discovered is sometimes that prayer on the phone almost means more than if you were face to face. Now, why am I talking so much about prayer in a lesson about looking around? Well, it's because when we pray for people, it helps us to not focus on ourselves. And when we pray for people, it's not as easy to look down on them. And I believe that it's always better to lift someone up to the Father than to look down on them. So we need to pray for other people. And here's the third lesson. We need to always look up. We need to always look up. The Pharisee was focused only on himself. The tax collector focused on God and asked for God's mercy. You know, all too often we, we live as though we think or we pretend like we can handle everything on our own. And several years ago, I came across a, a thought-provoking question. I can't remember where I read this, but it went like this. If you could suddenly stop walking by faith, how would your life change? I, I think that's a good question for an individual. I think it's a good question for a church, too. Hey, what are we doing in our individual lives? What are we doing as a church that if God isn't in it, if we aren't following God, if we aren't walking by faith, we can't get it done? I, I think it's so easy in our individual lives and, and in the church, maybe, to, to have that the attitude Hey, God, I've got this. I can handle this. And we stop relying on God and we start relying on ourselves. And I I think that's what the the, the Pharisee did. He relied on himself, and maybe that's why he was so full of himself. The tax collector, on the other hand, said, God, I need you. And Jesus uses him as the example of the one who got it right. You know, life can be really, really good, and life can be really, really hard. Let me just pause here. How many of you already knew that? How many of you knew life can be really good and life can be really hard? Here's what I've learned. Whether it's the good times or the bad times, life always goes better when we're looking up, when we're looking to God. And when I'm looking up, it's more natural to look around at other people. And when I'm looking up to God, it's almost impossible for me to look down on other people. My guess is that everyone here today has either gone through or you're going through a difficult time right now. 
And so what I want to do is just leave Luke 18, and I want to go back. It's one of my favorite prayers in the Old Testament. It's kind of this obscure prayer in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The context of the prayer is a time of crisis as three armies are getting ready to, to go to war against Judah. Judah is outnumbered. Uh, they, they're facing defeat. It doesn't look good. King Jehoshaphat calls the people together to fast and to pray. And we don't have time to read the entire prayer, but let me read Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20, verses 6 through 9. Jehoshaphat the king prays this, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. The, the king prays, you are a powerful God. You are more powerful than the enemies we're facing. We are outnumbered, but God, you are more powerful. And he reviews how God had worked before and how he had driven the people out of the land so the, the, the people of Israel could have that land. And he said, and, and we, we agreed if calamity ever came upon us, we would gather here and we would cry out to you. It's a great prayer. And my guess is that you and I could and should pray the same prayer, maybe right now. God, life is tough. God, I'm facing a big challenge. I've got a big problem, but God, you are bigger than what I face. You are powerful. You have answered prayer in the past, and you have been good to me. So God, I am crying out to you right now. It's a great prayer. But here's what I really want us to focus on. It's the way King Jehoshaphat closes the prayer. In verse 12, he says this, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Oh, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Isn't that a great outlook? Isn't that a great prayer? Things aren't looking very good. We could very easily get defeated. Life as we know it may cease to exist, but God, our eyes are on you. Let me ask you this morning, how could praying that prayer impact your life today? How could that prayer give you hope? For some, God, this cancer is awful, but my eyes are on you. God, divorce was never a thought, and it hurts so much right now. But God, my eyes are on you. Father, it's so difficult to see my kids make poor choices. And God, I'm hurting right now. But my eyes are on you. Losing my job is hard, and I'm not sure what to do. But God, my eyes are on you. The cemetery is a lonely place but not as lonely as coming back to an empty house. But God, my eyes are on you. My friends, the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector is a tale of two men. One looked good on the outside, but was filled with pride. 
The other was obviously flawed. But his eyes were on God and he asked for mercy. You know, sometimes we can get so full of ourselves that we don't have room for God. We can let things that aren't that important seem very important. I've, I've been in ministry for 42 years, and I, I've been called a youth minister. I've been called a preacher, a pastor. I, I served as president of a mission board for 16 years. I'm director of church ministries at Lincoln Christian University today. Th those are titles that I have worn that describe what I do, but they should never define who I am. Those things aren't all that important. I think that was part of the Pharisee's problem. He was pretty wrapped up in being a Pharisee. But we need to follow the example of Jesus. We need to, to make the biggest impact we can make, and that comes down to knowing who we are. And here's what I would suggest, and I love the way this connected together because we just sang this a little while ago. Here's the best identity that we can have, and that is, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I'm going to say that, and would you just say it out loud after me? I am a child of God. Again, I am a child of God. I would encourage you every morning before you get out of bed to out loud say, I am a child of God. And that's going to shape the way I live my life today. And before you go to bed, before you close the day, say, I am a child of God. And that is more important than anything that might have happened today. And as a child of God, we need to look up to God the Father. We need to look around and focus on other people. And we need to stop looking down on other people. My mom was one of the most humble servants I've ever met. And she went to be with Jesus about four and a half years ago after a long battle with Alzheimer's that just uh, limited her life in so many ways, robbed her of her memory and her ability to function. I remember one day I stopped by the nursing home to, to visit with her, and the hospice social worker named Rita was there. And I walked in. Rita didn't know I was coming. But she said, oh, David, I'm glad you're here. We're just getting ready to sing. And I looked at Rita, and I thought, oh, Rita, my, my mama hasn't been able to talk for six months. But I got my phone out, and I said it on video just in case. And uh, I, I want to show you a video of what happened that day. My mom got to a point when, where she couldn't remember names. Uh, 
she probably didn't remember what she had for breakfast. She could no longer teach a Sunday school class or bake a cake or visit someone in the hospital or the nursing home like she did for so many years. Her memory was gone. But here's what I believe. I believe that somehow she could remember one thing. She was a child of God. And when you think about it, isn't that the only thing that matters? When we stand before God in heaven one day, it's the only thing that will matter. So doesn't it just make sense that that should be the only thing that matters today? So let me encourage you once again to begin and end every day by reminding yourself, I am a child of God. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that we can call you Father and you call us your children. And God, today I pray that you would remind us to look up to you, our God and Father. God, help us to look around and focus on other people and not just ourselves. And God, as children of God, help us to stop looking down on other people. God, help us to see people the way you see people. Help us to love people the way you love people. Help us to be the body of Christ that you have called us to be. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.